Thank you so much. How are you doing tonight, church? You doing good? Wow, it's always for me a privilege uh, to be in the house of God. I traveled crazy the last couple of months. Uh, I was in Germany and a pastor's conference. I preached here and there. But for me, to be really honest, it's not because I'm a, a nice Swiss guy. I love my local church. I love the, the, the home base. And let's give Jesus Christ tonight the biggest hand ever because he is in the house. Come on, church. Let's give him a big shout. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, um, the last uh, couple of weeks I preached about uh, from dream to destiny about Joseph and I want to just wrap the whole message with an amazing title and my title is how can I hold on to Jesus? I believe it's very important we start strong with Jesus Christ and we even finish stronger. Can I hear an amen? I want to start strong with my marriage but I want to finish even stronger. I want to start strong with my two boys, my teenagers, and I will be even finish stronger with some girls and kids and blessing comes back to my own life. I start with an amazing, actually one of my favorite story, stories. It was Giovanni, who is a carpet layer in Zurich. And it was Friday, about four o'clock, he was laying an amazing carpet and all of a sudden there was a dell in the carpet. And he said, oh my gosh, I, I, I forgot my cigarettes. They're on the ground and I put the carpet over it. And what shall I do? I, want, I don't want to restart the whole thing. And he's a very smart Italian guy. He started to flatten the whole thing until it was super flat. And then the lady comes and says, wow, it's amazing. The carpet looks amazing. Do you want to have a coffee? He says, of course, bring me a coffee. Then she handed him a coffee and said, I found your cigarettes in the kitchen. And he felt, no, I thought. And then she asked him an amazing question. Have you seen my hamster? <laughs> and he was saying, no, 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 I have no clue. You know, the cool thing about that story is every time when Giovanni drives into Zurich, he knows beneath the carpet, there is still a hamster. It's not alive, it's dead, but still it's somewhere there. And for me, life is often about the carpet. Sometimes we, have, we did something in our past, it's beneath the carpet. Nobody will ever see it, but we know in our spirit, oh, it's still somewhere there. And the same thing happens with these two dudes. This guy is Simon Peter in the Bible, a beautiful dress. And this is Judas Iscariot. Two guys, they were picked and selected by Jesus, by himself. He prayed a whole night. Who should he have, which 12 he should follow him? I can imagine they were together three and a half years with Jesus. This was the best discipleship school on planet Earth. We have also discipleship in ICF, but this is the real discipleship deal with Christ, right? They saw three and a half years healings and signs and miracles. They taught together, they cooked together, they walked together, they laughed together, they prayed together. They did everything together. But now you see two guys following the best rabbi. One wrote history and the other guy is history. Let's think for a moment about Peter. Peter denied Jesus Three times, three times. This is like insane, right? 
This is almost impossible. You cannot follow Christ and then ask him, you, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And Peter said, Jesus? I never met that dude. I never heard about Christ. Three times he denied Jesus. That's not even the bad part, but the, the part was when Jesus uh, was after Peter and Jesus was asking him three times the same question, Peter started to sweat. You can read this in John 21, 17 to 18. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. It's crazy, right? Peter was hurt because she's asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know all the things even beneath the carpet. Why do you ask me? You know everything. You know I love you from the bottom of my heart. And you can see in the life of Peter, the world Guilt. Guilt means I failed. I made a mistake. I feel so sorry with other words. I need forgiveness. As long as you say sorry, it's never a big deal for the kingdom of God. Guilt means I failed. I made a mistake. I am so super sorry. But here's another guy. He made also a major mistake. His name is Judas. And let's go to his story in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 49 to 15. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for. He comes the word, Friend. Even in that moment when Judas was betraying Jesus, Jesus says straight to him, you are my friend. We were together for three and a half years. This was the real discipleship school. Have you forgotten? And Jesus says, my friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. I mean, this is a major, crazy mistake, a crazy failure. In Matthew chapter 27, and verse 3 to 5, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was saved to remorse and returned to the third piece of silver to the chief priest and to the eldest. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? He replied. Now comes the answer. That's your responsibility. They said, I don't care. It's your problem. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. It's a crazy story. With other words, he felt shame. Shame is not the same like guilt. When we made mistakes or when we do mistakes, here is the difference. Shame says, I am a failure. I am a mistake. Guilt says, I failed. I did crazy things. But shame says, I am a mistake. I am a failure. And that's, friends, a huge difference. And when you feel shame, there comes the word accusation. You start to excuse yourself and you don't believe anymore that you worry that God will still build the kingdom on you.
With other words, this guy kills himself, shame kills you, but forgiveness brings life in you. And that's an amazing small difference. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, you say, okay, I heard that message many times, but often Christians forget one thing. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says the devil is the accusation, accuser of the saints, the brethren, that means of you and me. When we make mistakes, the devil comes and puts the finger to us and says, you are the wrong person. And here is actually the message for me. Here's the thing, Peter, God wrote history with Peter, but Judas is history. Peter said, I failed, I made a mistake, forgive me, I am so sorry, I need your grace, I need a new start, I need a new beginning, you know Christ, I love you. Judas could do the same thing. He said, I am a failure. I am a mistake. I cannot forgive me and God will never ever build the kingdom on me anymore. And he killed himself. And that's why church, it's important. We have to go into the guilt and say, Jesus forgives me and build the kingdom on me. Can I hear a strong amen? amen. Now you're wondering, what's, what's all about the message? Here's the thing, I'm a pastor for the last 21 years. I have seen signs and miracles, people got saved, we baptized people, but often after seven years, and here is the number seven years, often people drifting, drifting in marriage, drifting in families, drifting in church, drifting with reading the Bible, they start to drift and they're not attending church anymore, they're not believing in Christ anymore, and so many people, they failed away from Christ. And the reason is we have to take care about our inner being. We have to take care about our heart, our soul. And about 15 years ago, I read an amazing book and the writer says, our soul or our spirit is like a garden. A garden. Why like a garden? If you have a garden, for example, my mom shared me over a very small garden. I'm actually a farmer boy. I know a lot of, about sowing and reaping and gardening. And she gave me a very small garden and said, that's your garden. And I learned a very important lesson. If you do nothing, the ground gets super hard, right? If you do nothing, bad weeds starts to grow. If you do nothing, bad weeds starts to grow and the garden gets super hard. With other words, I have to do something that my heart, my spirit, Spirit, my, my vision stays strong, on fire, focused for the kingdom of God. I want to help you a little bit uh, uh, tonight. Um, I want to preach a little bit about pastors. And just relax a little bit and I will go somewhere with this amazing illustration. But you know, often people have a certain image about pastors. And here is what sometimes people think. My friends think what I do the whole week. I play golf. People say, you're always super brown, you have a nice tan, you're super sport, sporty. Are you playing golf every day? My answer is always, no. Maybe once a week, maybe. This is what my mother thinks I do. And this is what society thinks I do. If you want to get rich, start a church. 
I mean, uh, that's not a big deal in Switzerland. In America, you can get, get super rich, but not here. Um, sometimes this is what the church thinks I do. My, my small boy says, Daddy, I love your job be, to be a pastor because you preach on a Sunday, but from Monday to Friday you drink coffee. Coffee with Dave, coffee with Björn, coffee with you guys. It's just coffee drinker. No, it's meeting. Church is not a building. Church is people. It's relationship. It's pastoring, take care, and we pray for each other. This is what I think by myself, what I do. <laughs> I save the world. I mean, yeah, without me. But this is what I do really. Really, I mean, to be a pastor, to be really honest, it's hard work because church is not a building. Sometimes I would love, if the church would be only a building, only a building, wall has no emotion, the roof is every day there, it's no emotion, that would be super easy. Church is people. And it's people business. And I wrote a statistic from America uh, some years ago. And just, they say, for example, 1,500 pastors quit every month. 50 pastors get divorced. That is actually crazy high. 50 means half. 40% of all the pastors cheat on their partner. And often, um, the, the most pastors, they cheat with the worship leader or the PA. This is what another statistic says, not, not in ICF, but in some churches. 70% of all pastors feel depressed and failing. They feel shame. I am a mistake. I am a failure. You know? And another 80% of all the pastors and wives feel discouraged and inacceptable. And 80% from all Bible schools after five years in the ministry, they quit. Hallelujah, to be a pastor means I will not do that job for, me, for very long. <laughs> and this is crazy, the numbers. And I just said to myself, I, I don't want to be a pastor who starts strong, is in the discipleship of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden I make a mistake, and all of a sudden I feel shame, excused, and I think I am a failure, I'm a mistake. No, I have to walk in the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And here is a graphic, it helps me, it maybe helps you as well, to check my soul, my spirit, my everything what I have. For example, uh, no, known to me or known to others, sometimes known to me and unknown to others, sometimes I've, there's unknown to me, but known to others and unknown to others. And this is a very simple graphic and illustration for you guys. Let's start with the first thing. Known to me and known to others is I am a public person. That means people look at me and they have a clear view about Leo. My second name is Marcus Bigger. Here is a lady from our church. She explains to you a little bit about Leo Marcus Bigger. Leo is small, he's blonde, he's married to Susan, he has two sons, he preaches all over the world, he's well-groomed, um, he likes to ride his bike, he's always in a good mood, and he's fearless. This is just 
No emotions, it's just facts. It's always in good mood. Can I hear an amen? I mean, if everybody will be like me, the world will be insane. No, no, I'm a public person. But here, there are things that are unknown to me, but known to others. Everyone, we have a blind spot. We have some blind spots. Blind spot means your wife or your husband does things. It's crazy. And I ask one of my closest friends, can you share a little bit about my blind spots? And he came up with only three blind spot because after one minute I cut the video. Dear Pastor Leo, that your English is very, very good. We all know that it's not a really blind spot thing. I mean, we all know that, but coming to the blind spots, I think you are a fast runner. You love to go through life really fast and um, do things like efficiently. So sometimes that uh, produces funny scenes. If we are in a meeting, for example, and uh, you want to get on with the topics, you just go like this and start Sw uh, uh, swiping tables, which is really funny. Another thing is if we go for bike tours and you ride ahead, um, we come on top of this beautiful mountain and we could enjoy the view, maybe take a selfie, take a, a, a sip of a coffee or something. All you do is we ride and you go like this. And then we ride on. I mean, maybe we can do something about that too. So the third blind spot, it's not really you thought, it's literal blind spot. It's up here. I mean, you had more hair when I met you, but don't cry. I still love you. We still do. You know, uh, so he talks about here. And this is actually not true because it's the light comes from above. And here I have here... This is like when I was 19, it's, it's not, yeah. <clears throat> you know, blind spot means uh, I don't see it, but other people see it. And that's why here's one word is very important for you guys and for myself as well. We need feedback. We need people around our lives. They're giving us feedback. Feedback is very, very important. Do you know, every Sunday when I preach the first message, when I left the stage, and I ask every Sunday two to three people about my message. I, I say to them, I know, I know the, the anointing is something different. I know the power of God is something different. But is there anything in my message I can do better? And they give me every Sunday some feedbacks. And to be honest, I don't like all the feedbacks. The German people, they love feedbacks. But Americans and Asians, we heard about the word feedback. You know what I'm talking about? I don't like it. It's very personal, but we need people. They give us, we allow them to give us feedback because Peter and John, they need feedback as well. And here is uh, an amazing story. I want to read it to you uh, in John chapter 12, verse 5 to 6 about Judas. And Judas had some moments when Jesus, he knew there is something going on in his heart. Mary, he was, he, he, he just uh, let all the oil flow on the feet of Jesus. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? This often in church, I hear this quote. <laughs> why we're raising so much money for the building? Why should not, why we're not giving the money to the poor people? This is actually a little bit the Judas spirit. 
You can see this in the Bible. He asked the same question. Sometimes you can bring a religious thought and everybody is agree what you're saying. But let's go on. It wasn't worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money's bag. He used to help himself to what was put into crazy Maisie. He came and said, oh, guys, we should give the money to the people in need and the whole church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's do it. Jesus thought, flipping flip, beneath the carpet is things that you can see it. It's there. It's not a blind spot. It's a secret. It's a secret. I know there is a secret, but people, they don't know. The weirdest thing in our life is he had a secret. And it sounds like holy religious, but beneath the carpet, this was an alarm signal. And the most dangerous things in our lives are the secrets. Because things that are hidden... It's the favorite place for the devil. If you don't bring things to the light, be honest with people, hell has an impact in your life. The Bible says here in James chapter 5, verse 16, and please understand that Bible verse in the context of my secret. The Bible says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed <laughs> can I hear an amen he was a super uh, silent this afternoon this is a promise you know why so many people are he sick they have secrets they did certain things nobody knows it you can lift up your hands in praise and worship it looks very religious but still there are things in you, like Judas, nobody knows it, nobody sees it, and that's the most dangerous things in your life. In other words, if you want to be end strong, super strong, you need at least one person you are give accountability. Ability, it's a very long word. You give accountability. Just give me a name of one person in your life who gives accountability. If you don't have that, God bless you. Really, you need at least one person. You are super honest. You say, guys, I have some challenges in my life. I have some struggles in my life. I have weird thoughts in my life. I did crazy things. Please I need you. You need at least one person where you can share your deepest longings. Otherwise, it leads to shame, accusation, and to death. And that's the whole story. And the last thing, it's no unknown to me and no unknown to others. That means I have certain things in my life, it's unknown. With others, I don't know. There are certain things, I don't know. Because sometimes deep in our souls, there are things, I don't know. This is for me very important in my life. 
because I want a strong super. Uh, I want to finish super strong, and I need feedback because I have some blind spot. Not one. I have blind spots. <laughs> And I need at least one person where I can share everything when I want to give up or when I have struggles in my family. We pray for each other and he asks me all the time, how are you doing? Are you still doing good? In closing, um, I came up with a strategy because I love, I'm a Swiss guy, I need a strategy. Because I figured out, life is so busy, right? If you are on Instagram and Facebook, this is so busy. I always have a burnout of posting and writing things and, and editing things. You know, it's, a, it's hard to be a public person. It's, it's very hard. And I came up with a very, very simple structure because I want to and I will strong, uh, finish strong. Daily, every day I have my personal prayer One hour, every day I pray one hour with Jesus Christ. Why is the one hour so important? Here is the airplane of the 380. My favorite plane is the 380. The 380 is a beast. It's so big. I mean, he flies to Singapore. And I love the 380. And a pilot asked me some days ago, how, 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 my, how, much, how much the percentage, how much do you think is a plane always on course? Is the plane 100% on course? Is it 90%, 80% or 70%? And I thought, okay, when he asked me this question, it cannot be 100%. I said, I think a plane is 70% on course. He said, no, a plane is never on course. I said, what? He said, never. That's the cloud. Some rain, it's the tailwind, the wind from the side. A plane is always drifting. A plane drifts all the time. And he said, yes, some sensors, like a radar system. And the radar system always brings the plane back to the course, back to the line. You know when you shoot a record, or a rocket to the Mars, if you want to figure out is, is, is on Mars water. If you shoot a record up, Every four seconds, the radar systems is correcting the records on course. If a plane or a rocket is never on track, what's about my own life? That means every day I check out my, uh, my rudder to God and I'm asking God, I'm still on track? Is my soul on track? Is my spirit on track? Is everything on track? Every evening before I go to sleep, I need more than one hour before I sleep every night. And every evening when I'm in bed, I say to Holy Spirit, here is Leo Bigger. I always mentioning my name, then he knows actually who's talking to him. I say, Holy Spirit, is there anything, is there anything today? Is there anything today I did and I'm not on track anymore? Speak to me. Because I want to Finish strong. The one hour I listening to the beautiful voice of the Holy Spirit. And then I write things down in my agenda, in my, in my to-do. And I know the next morning, this is my to-do. 
The second thing, the daily routine, I have also a weekly routine. A weekly, the pattern prayer means one hour every week. It's in my agenda. I have a weekly questions, two questions. I ask myself every week, every week, every week, two questions. Every week, every week, every week, like a Swiss clock, precise. Every week, every week is in my agenda. Am I really being honest with my Self. I'm really honest with myself. You can play church, you can fool with people, you can play with your girls, you can do everything. The second question, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there anything who's really wrong? I ask myself this question every week. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, the Bible says, when you look into the water, you see a likeness of your face. When you look into your heart, when you look into your heart, you see what you are really like. Ask yourself this question every week because otherwise you feel shamed. I'm the wrong person, I'm a mistake, and then the devil got you. Every month, I have my purpose prayer. Every month, I go away for one day. Just me, myself, and I, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God, six people. <laughs> I ask every month one question. What story do I want to tell? What is my story? What is my story? Look, here's the thing, life, we are super busy in life. And sometimes we get disappointed, sometimes we feel not strong, sometimes there are certain things under the carpet. And this is actually a checkup. When you're going to the heart specialist, you make a checkup. And this is a checkup. What people think about my public person? Is there any blind spots? What's about my secrets? The unknown. Questions, a pattern, daily, weekly, monthly. I have a yearly. This is the position prayer, the 40 days when we do the hashtag Jesus series every year in February and March for 40 days as a 40 days challenge. Every year I fast. This year I ask the Holy Spirit, you know the story, I ask Him, is there anything I can skip or I can change it? And I heard the word, quit eating white sugar. I love ice cream, I'm a Swiss guy. I love chocolate, I'm a Swiss guy. And I heard, stop eating white sugar. After 40 days, I survived. I did it. And then God asked me a question. And now, I said, I'll go back to normal. And God is saying to me, you crazy. You skipped sugar for 40 days, you lost weight, you feel stronger, more blessed and more healthy. Why in the flipping world are you going back? I said, because everybody does it. And God challenged me. I will never forget that moment. He said to me, what would happen if you skip sugar for one year? Yesterday, I celebrate seven months sugar-free Leo Marcus Bigger. Seven months. That means not five months to go for me. For me, if you ask me, you, myself right now, I will never go back again. I see no benefits in eating cho chocolate, ice cream, really. There's no benefit. 
Here's the thing. I have an unknown part in me that I don't know. Here's the thing, in closing with the white sugar thing, I said to God, what is, what is the purpose behind it? You know, it's just the thing, when, you, when you're working very hard, when you eat a little bit ice cream or chocolate, gives you the feeling, I deserve something sweet. I deserve it. Have you ever heard it? I deserve a beer right now. I deserve a coffee. I deserve a chocolate. And now the last seven months, this connection was over. And sometimes I say, oh God, I, I, I need something. And I want to be super honest with you guys. I preach all over. I preach the, la the last one week. I preach, preach maybe 15 times. That means I was 15 times in praise and worship. And that's why when I'm home, I'm not listening to worship music because I have too much worship music in me. And I want to be really honest to you. The last couple of months, every morning when I get up, I listening to the very first time to worship music. And my wife asked me the other day, is all good with you? I said, yes, honey, I don't know. Before I ate something sweet to fill my soul. And now I feel when I praise and worship God early in the morning, I feel that the sweetness of God comes straight into my soul and that's like a miracle in my life that the unknown I had no clue about it and all of a sudden it makes sense I would love to close the message with my favorite song this song you hear from the band Touch of Heaven I have listened to that song the last couple of months maybe one million times I listen to these songs every day at least two, three times. That's my song at the moment. And the song is all about God, I started strong. And that's my soul, that's my spirit, that's my life. And I will even finish stronger. I'm not a Judas. I'm Peter and write history with me. And after the song, I will lead you into a Holy Spirit moment. Come on, Ben. trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain. I'm going to stand and I'm going to sing again, sing again, sing again. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your po 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 potential and fear always wants to limit you. But every everlasting change starts with the Word of God. 
The Word of God has a power in it like nothing else. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder, when you are facing an area where you're super afraid. Pray, grab, hold, face, and please don't give up.